and the boy turned to the old woman and said, But what about... No buts, said the old woman. It's time for us to get packed because it's market day today. And so they packed up the lotions and potions and ointments that the woman was going to sell. They went into the market, laid out their stall, and spent the day selling these things and taking in the money. At the end of the day, a couple of men came out of the pub, obviously the worse for wear, and one of them wanted to buy an ointment for his wife, but he didn't have enough money, and even though the old woman reduced the price, he wanted to pay even less. Until in the end, the old woman said, Look, this is the price that I am prepared to sell this ointment for, and not a penny less. The man, furious, he kicked the table. He kicked the table and sent the things that were on it flying across the floor, and the old woman fell down, down on all fours, and the boy had been watching this. And he had wanted to defend the old woman, to tell the old the man to, to go away, to stop pestering the old woman. But his eyes were brimming with tears. He felt he didn't have the strength against this great, obviously drunk and aggressive man. And there was the man walking away, and the old woman in the mud. And he bent down to help her up, and she said, I'm quite all right. Just pick up the fallen things, pack up, and we'll go on our way. So they went home. And when they got there, the old woman started to cook, and she sent him out to chop some wood. And the rhythm of chopping she heard was strange. It was hard, it was violent. Wood was being splintered everywhere, and there was the boy taking out all his pent-up aggression and frustration out on a piece of wood, chopping and chopping and hacking, until the axe itself got stuck in the piece of wood. And he heaved and he heaved, and he couldn't get it free, and he slumped over it and sobbed. And the old woman came, sat down beside him, put her arm around his shoulder, and said, You remind me of the boy and the apple. And he lifted his head and said, What boy? Ah, she said, listen to this. Once there was a king, and he had three sons, and they were a real pain. One had a spear, one had a sword, and one had a bow and arrow. They were always fighting. Mainly amongst themselves, but also with people in the marketplace and in the pub. And every time a foreign delegation appeared, they would fight with their soldiers. Until eventually... The king realised he had to do something. This was absolutely... Enough! What's going to happen when I die, he said to them. You three will take over. The country will go to rack and ruin. And this is why I'm sending the three of you off on a quest. Each of you has to go in different directions, obviously, and come back with a wonder, and hopefully that adventure will help you grow up. The first boy... He went east. He travelled and he travelled until he came to a marketplace where they were selling carpets. He walked into one of the stalls 
and he started talking to the man and asked him to show him his most expensive carpet. And he looked at the first one, he said, no, I don't like the pattern. The second one, he said, no, I don't like the colour. And the third one, he said, sorry, I don't like the fringes. The man showed him every single carpet he had in his stall, until eventually the young man pointed to something rolled up in the corner and said, what about that one? Surely you want the best carpet. That one is old and ragged. I was going to throw it out. Really? Let me see. Well, they cut the string and unrolled it, and it was in a state. But the young man had a feeling about this carpet, and said, I will buy it. I'm very sorry, sir, it is not for sale. Nonsense, he said. Everything is for sale. You have to find its price, that's all. How much will you take for it? And eventually, the prince himself named a price. More money than the stallholder could even imagine, and he agreed. The prince clapped his hands, and servants came in with a great chest. He flung it open and showed the man the glittering gold inside. And as he was counting it, the prince was rolling up the carpet and walking out of there. And he was halfway through the market before the stallholder discovered that this was a false-bottomed chest, and he came running out after the prince, demanding the remainder of the money that they had agreed. And the prince calmly rolled out the tatty old carpet, sat on it, and said, Fly! And he flew through the air, and he flew, and he flew, and he flew. The second prince went west, until he got to a city of great learning, full of universities and galleries. Into one of the universities he went, and he was shown around a marvellous exhibition of telescopes. And there was one that took his fancy. Unlike the others, it was made of ivory, and there were all patterns and pictures carved into it, and the lenses gleamed and shimmered. And he asked the person who was showing him round, about that telescope. And the man said, Ah, this telescope here, this is not for looking at the stars, this is not for looking at the moon, no. This telescope will show you the seven wonders of the world or anything you want to see, no matter how far over the horizon it lies. And by the end of the day, it was that very telescope that the young man had tucked under his arm as he walked out of there. The third boy the youngest, the archer, went north. Towards the mountains he went. Climbing to the very peak, he encountered snow for the first time and was miserably cold. He trudged along a path and then in front of him he saw a monastery and he knocked on the door and asked for shelter and the monks kindly showed him in and put him in front of a fire and asked him why he was walking up in the mountains. And he explained about the fact that he had to go and find a wonder and the monks glanced at each other and said, We have a wonder here. What is it? said the boy. The greatest wonder in the world, perhaps. This wonder is a cure-all. It will cure any disease, no matter how serious. That is the wonder for me. Tell me, he said, or what must I do to win it? And the two monks noticed the bow. And they said, Simple, you have to do some archery. Well, I'm your man, he said. And the next day it was all arranged. For the first task he was taken out into the courtyard, and a target was set up, and he was taken thirty yards away and told to turn and fire, and he thought this is going to be easy. 
but as he turned, one of the monks came up to him and put a bag on his head. And then they kept on turning him and turning him and turning him until he had no idea where he was facing and he waited for the turning and the dizziness in his head to stop and he felt the earth under his feet and he let his body turn. His body knew in which direction the target lay and he listened to his hands as he pulled the string back and notched the arrow. He breathed, loosed it and he heard it fly through the air, and there was a satisfying thunk as the arrow buried itself in the bullseye. He was taken inside, and inside, iron rings about six inches across were hung from the ceiling in a great long row, and his task was to fire through all the rings at a target that lay beyond. So he stood at one end of the great long hall, and he looked along the length of the hall, and he looked through all these rings, and he could see the target at the other side, and he thought, this is difficult, but it's not impossible. And as he was drawing back the bow, they opened the windows, and these rings started to sway and swing madly in front of him, but he, he didn't panic, he just waited. He knew they would line up eventually, and from somewhere deep inside him, he could feel the moment coming, he drew back the string loosed the arrow, and it sailed through the air, straight through each one of those rings, without even touching any of them, before burying itself in the target. Then he was led outside, and in the courtyard now there was a stake hammered into the ground. A boy was called a novice monk, and he stood with his back against the stake, and the abbot himself placed an apple on his head, and he turned to the young man and said, Thirty paces, turn, and fire. Hit the apple, and you will get your wonder. He took the thirty paces, he turned, he was already drawing back the string. All he could see in his field of vision was the apple. But just as he was about to fire, his eyes flicked down, and his eyes met the eyes of the novice monk. He knew he would hit the apple. But there was still... A tiny, tiny speck of doubt that he might miss. And he lowered the bow. And he said, This prize is not for me. I will not shoot. And suddenly all the monks around him are cheering. And he says, Why are you cheering and laughing? Are you mocking me? And they said, No, we are celebrating. Because you have won the wonder. If you had fired, you would surely have hit that apple, and we would surely have thrown you off the cliff like all the others. But here, take this, take the apple. And it was the abbot himself pressing the apple into his hand, saying, This apple is the wonder. Squeeze it, and the juice that will come from it will cure every ill. The next day, with that apple in his pocket, he waved goodbye to the monks and down the side of the mountain he went until eventually at a crossroads he met his two brothers. And they each showed what they had won and they each told the story about how they had won it. And then they wanted to see how these things worked and they grabbed hold of the telescope and they looked through it and they saw marvellous things and then they thought, well, let's see what's happening at home. They looked at the telescope. They looked 
towards the palace where their father the king was living and through a window they saw their father and he was sick and he was in bed and they could see that he was near death and they had to get there immediately so the boy with the carpet he unrolled it and they jumped onto it and they flew through the air until eventually they landed the youngest boy he rushed upstairs taking the apple from his pocket he strode into the room where his father lay sick holding the apple above his father's head he squeezed he squeezed and the juice ran between his fingers and into his dying father's mouth and he swallowed and he opened his eyes and the dull eyes him shiny and his thin white hair became thick and black and as he slowly sat up you could see the strength and the form coming back to his body my boys he said you have saved my life and now you are men so we shall have a celebration and a celebration it was they came from far and wide and they drank and they feasted and they danced and they sang and then the three boys were called and the king said show us show us the things that you've won show us these wonders and the first boy he took the carpet and he rolled it out and people weren't too sure to begin with because it didn't look very good so he just said sit on it and with a few people sitting on it he sent it flying around the castle through the windows round the towers and back in through the front door and people squealed and shrieked in delight and then the second boy came forward and he opened the telescope and one by one they stared in amazement at all the things that they could see and then all eyes were on the third boy and he stepped forward and he said what do i have I have the greatest wonder of all nothing